Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I've been talking about this now for a couple of weeks. David Rubenstein, he's back on the program. He is one of my favorite uh, guests. I always love having him back on. Uh, one of the brightest people I know when it comes to all things investing, uh, the co-founder of the Carlisle Group, a philanthropist, a New York Times best-selling author. Uh, David, welcome back to the program. Always love having you on. You know, uh, my producer is always looking at items to check off. You know, and with your resume, we get to check off a lot of big items uh, in terms of a quality right. guest. And so, thanks, thanks for being with Thank us. Thank you very much. Well, Talk my quickly. To be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're you're phenomenal. We always have great feedback. Talk a little bit about your your latest book, How to Invest. I got a little bit of tingly, tingly when I when it came in the mail. I was like, you know, because this is someone who really is truly authoritative in this space, talking to others. Well, really authoritative in this space. It's fascinating. Well, I took uh, what I've learned over 35 years in the investment world and put it in the opening chapters chapters to give my perspectives on investing. But the more important part of the book probably is the interviews I did with the greatest investors in our country. And these are people in hedge funds or private equity or or, or, um, venture capital or fixed income. And so it's their insights and what makes them tick, and I try to figure out what they had in common. But for the average investor who's not going to be Warren Buffett or somebody like that, I try to give some perspectives on what you can realistically do to do a good job with the money you have available to manage. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a really good point because not all of us – are uh, with those kind of uh, resources. Talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that you you saw of commonality among all the investors in terms of uh, personality traits or characteristics or ability to make decisions. The great investors have these things in common. They tend to come from low uh, moderate uh, middle-income families or maybe blue-collar families, not wealthy families. They tend to have been pretty good students. They tend to, tend to be pretty well-educated. They tend to uh, have a real ability to absorb a lot of information. They love to read, even if it's not relevant day-to-day to what they're doing. They tend to go against the conventional wisdom and are willing to walk through walls to defy what people tell them they should do. They tend to admit their mistakes pretty quickly. They tend to share the blame uh, or share the credit, I should say, and take the blame when they when they uh, make a mistake. They don't really blame other people so much. They tend to be fairly philanthropic, um, and they tend to be people that I, I think have um, you know uh, a, a pretty good feeling for where the markets are going and and what trends are likely to happen in the global economy. They tend to be pretty well read. Yeah, I like that. And I really found interesting the, the you know, low to middle uh, class rather than among the rich. Right. There's this perception that rich people are rich because they came from rich people. You know, and the reality is that some of the biggest money losers are people who came from rich families when you look at the history of money. Well, as a general rule of thumb, if you inherit a billion dollars, you're not likely to be one of the best investors in the world. That rarely happens. Just like the people that win Nobel Prizes are generally not from very wealthy families. If you're from a very wealthy family, you know, consider yourself fortunate in some respects, but you're not likely to have the drive or the ambition that somebody from a blue-collar family has. The people that really run the world tend to come from blue-collar and lower-income families, honestly. 
Yeah, that's fascinating. You know, I've I've been very fortunate. I've been able to interview uh, really several billionaires, and and most of them have backgrounds exactly what you described, including yourself. But I had I had one yeah. billionaire I interviewed who used a comment that that Donald Trump has used. In fact, yeah, my dad gave me a small loan of of a million dollars, and I'm like going, guess what? To to none of my listeners is a million dollars a small loan. Right. <laughs> you know, and and I, I've only had one you. You don't even have that kind of attitude about yes. it, uh, and so that's huge. And I think people kind of sell themselves I, short, short on this. Go ahead. Well, I agree. Look, my father dropped out of high school, never finished high school. My mother never graduated from high school, and neither went to college. And my father worked in the post office, and he didn't have any very much money, so I had to make it on my own. But that was a great benefit. If I, my own children have had a bigger challenge because they've grown up in a wealthier family. So if you achieve something from a, coming from a wealthy family, people are more amazed than if you achieve it, achieve it from a, a, a low-income family. Yeah, no question about it. Talk a little bit about uh, some of the surprises you found when interviewing these uh, other uh, successful investors. I was I was surprised at how many of them uh, had failures earlier in their careers and how many of them did not want to be investors. Many of them started out wanting to do something else for their life. And, in fact, very rarely did you find anybody who said when they were in college, I want to be an investor. They typically wanted to do something else, be a lawyer, a doctor, an economist, a uh, journalist, whatever it might be, and they wound up uh, doing something different. In fact, uh, one of the greatest venture capital investors of the last 50 years is a man named Michael Moritz. He started out as a journalist at Time Magazine, and basically that's what he wanted to do And with his life is be a journalist, not, a, not an investor. And now he runs the, the most successful uh, venture firm in the United States called Sequoia. Yeah, very interesting. Talk a little bit about some of the takeaways. If you're talking to someone who's in his uh, 20s and 30s, um, and, and they're trying to figure out where to start, and they're dealing with some of this mythology of, uh, around success that your book and others prove isn't true. What would be some of the things you would share looking at your own experience and these people you've interviewed? For, for young people, if they want to consider a career in anything, experiment, try different aspects of that career. If you don't like it, go to another career. You're never going to be successful unless you love what you're doing. You have to find it so that it's, you don't care about the money. You, you want to do it because it's pleasurable, pleasurable for you. And so if investing is pleasurable for you, then read a lot. Specialize in one area. Make one area your own. Learn how to get along with other people. Learn how to network. Learn how to, uh, to read things that are out that are not just in your area of expertise and learn how to talk well, communicate well, and, and basically associate yourself with smart people. Yeah, yeah, networking is important. That may be the uh, greatest value uh, in terms of the more prestigious schools. It isn't necessarily the education, but the people you meet and can work with along the way. I, I think that's probably a huge yes. factor. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's true. Talk, I agree. Go ahead. If, Go ahead. If you go to the leading business schools, what do they do? They have you spend a lot of time networking with your classmates. They have go on field trips. They go on um, retreats because they want you to bond with other people. And when you bond with other people, you network with them, you're more likely to meet somebody who's going to help you later in life. It's much different than law school or medical school. Yeah, absolutely. Talk as we begin to wrap it up. I know you know you're talking so fast, and so am I, because we both want to get so much in in a short period of time. But but talk about the uh, the big mistakes that you saw that you were surprised. You know, you said you were surprised about the early mistakes. Talk about a really big mistake right. you saw in these interviews, and it was shocking that they were able to recover from. 
Well, a lot of these investors have made big mistakes early on in their career, um, deals that lost money. Uh, I've done that quite frequently. But the most common mistake that the average person makes is they get in the market when they see the market zooming up and they think they're going to get in there and this market's going to keep zooming. And when the markets are depressed as they are now, they say, I got to get out of the markets when you should do the opposite. Uh, right now is a great time to invest. Prices are low, blood's in the street, people are willing to sell things at big discounts. That's when you should be buying. But generally people don't do that. And what should they be looking at right now? Well, uh, in my case, uh, I think a lot of uh, good values are in, in private equity secondaries, which is, say, private equity funds that are being sold at discounts for people that want to get out of the private equity funds. Another area is distressed debt. There's a lot of distressed debt going on. I think a lot of uh, distressed debt in real estate is also going to be attractive uh, in, in the near future uh, because of the dislocation in the markets. And I think generally some fixed income products are going to probably be pretty good because interest rates are going to be high and providing pretty good dividends. David Rubenstein, he has been on the uh, program now, uh, I think this is your sixth time, and I can't wait for your seventh. That's right. Uh, he's the author of the book, well, How to Invest, Masters on the Craft. Final thoughts for me as we wrap it up. Yes, uh, the average person should not be afraid of money. They should try to uh, you know, increase what they have by investing prudently. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, don't panic when markets go down, and don't get too exuberant when markets go up. He is a personal favorite. He is a listener favorite. Thanks so much, as always, for being with us. Thank you very much. My pleasure. I'm Kevin, I'm Kevin Price. This is The Price of Business.